0: Chapters 14 and 15 of The Phantom of the Opera by Gaston Leroux So let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter Fourteen The Singular Attitude of a Safety Pin Behind the curtain there was an indescribable crowd. Artists, scene shifters, dancers, supers, choristers, subscribers were all asking questions, shouting and hustling one another. What became of her? She's run away. With the Vicomte de Chagny, of course. No, with the Count. Ah, here's Carlotta. Carlotta did the trick. No, it was the ghost. And a few laughed especially as a careful examination of the trap doors and boards had put the idea of an accident out of the question. Amid this noisy throng, three men stood talking in a low voice and with despairing gestures. They were Gabriel, the chorus master, Mercia, the acting manager, and Remy, the secretary. They retired to a corner of the lobby, by which the stage communicates with the wide passage leading to the foyer of the ballet. They stood and argued behind some enormous properties. I knocked at the door, said Remy. They did not answer. Perhaps they are not in the office. In any case, it's impossible to find out, for they took the keys with them. They were obviously the managers who had given orders during the last entract that they were not to be disturbed on any pretext whatever. They were not in to anybody. All the same, exclaimed Gabrielle, a singer isn't run away with from the middle of the stage every day. Did you shout that to them? asked Mercier impatiently. I'll go back again, said Remy, and disappeared at a run. Thereupon... The stage manager arrived. Well, Monsieur Mercier, are you coming? What are you two doing here? You're wanted, Mr. Acting Manager. I refuse to know or to do anything before the commissary arrives, declared Mercier. I have sent for Mifroid. We shall see when he comes. And I tell you that you ought to go down to the organ at once. Not before the commissary arrives. I've been down to the organ myself already. Ah, and what did you see? Well, I saw nobody. Do you hear, nobody? What do you want me to do down there? You're right, said the stage manager, frantically pushing his hands through his rebellious hair. You're right, but there might be someone at the organ who could tell us how the stage came to be suddenly darkened. Now more clear is nowhere to be found. Do you understand that? Mauclair was the gas man who dispensed day and night at will on the stage of the opera. Mauclair is not to be found, repeated Mercier, taken aback. Well, what about his assistance? There's no Mauclair and no assistance. No one at the lights, I tell you. You can imagine, roared the stage manager, that that little girl must have been carried off by somebody else. She didn't run away by herself. It was a calculated stroke and we have to find out about it. And what are the managers doing all this time? I gave orders that no one was to go down to the lights, and I posted a fireman in front of the gas man's box beside the organ. Wasn't that right? Yes, yes, quite right, quite right. And now let's wait for the commissary. The stage manager walked away shrugging his shoulders, fuming, muttering insults at those milksops who remained quietly squatting in a corner while the whole theatre was topsy-turvy. Gabrielle and Mercia were not so quiet as all that, only they had received an order that paralysed them. The managers were not to be disturbed on any account. Remy had violated that order and met with no success. At the moment he returned from his new expedition, wearing a curiously startled air. Well, have you seen them? asked Monsieur. Mon Charmin opened the door at last. His eyes were staring out of his head. I thought he meant to strike me. I could not get a word in. And what do you think he shouted at me? Have you a safety pin? No. Well then, clear out. I tried to tell him that an unheard of thing had happened on the stage, but he roared. A safety pin, give me a safety pin at once. A boy heard him, he was bellowing like a bull, ran up with a safety pin and gave it to him. Whereupon Moncharmin slammed the door in my face. And there you are. And couldn't you have said, Christine Day, I should like to have seen you in my place. He was foaming at the mouth. He thought of nothing but his safety pin. I believe if they hadn't brought him one on the spot, he would have fallen down in a fit. Oh. All this isn't natural, and our managers are going mad. Besides, it can't go on like this. I'm not used to being treated in that fashion. Suddenly, Gabrielle whispered. It's another trick of the OG's. Remy gave a grin. Marcia a sigh and seemed about to speak, but meeting Gabrielle's eye, said nothing. However, Mercia felt his responsibility increased as the minutes passed without the managers appearing, and, at last, he could stand it no longer. Look here, I'll go and hunt them out myself. Gabrielle, turning very gloomy and serious, stopped him. Be careful what you're doing, Mercia. If they're staying in their office, it's probably because they have to. OG has more than one trick in his bag. But Mercia shook his head. That's their lookout. I'm going. If people had listened to me, the police would have known everything long ago. And he went. What's everything? asked Remy. What was there to tell the police? Why don't you answer, Gabrielle? Ah, so you know something. Well, you would do better to tell me too if you don't want me to shout out that you're all going mad. Yes, that's what you are, mad. Gabrielle put on a stupid look, and pretended not to understand the private secretary's unseemly outburst. What something am I supposed to know, he said. I don't know what you mean. Remy began to lose his temper. This evening, Richard and Moncharmin were behaving like lunatics here between the acts. I never noticed it, growled Gabrielle, very much annoyed. Then you're the only one. Do you think that I didn't see them? And that Monsieur Parabies, the manager of the Credit Central, noticed nothing, and that Monsieur de la Bordière, the ambassador, has no eyes to see with. Why, all the subscribers were pointing at our managers. But what were our managers doing? asked Gabriel, putting on his most Innocent air. What were they doing? You know better than anyone what they were doing. You were there. And you were watching them. And Mercier. And you were the only two who didn't laugh. I don't understand. Gabriel raised his arms and dropped them to his sides again. Which gesture was meant to convey that the question did not interest him in the least? Remy continued. What is the sense of this new mania of theirs? Why won't they have anyone come near them now? What? Won't they have anyone come near them? And they won't let... Anyone touch them. Really? Have you noticed that they won't let anyone touch them? That is certainly odd. Oh, so you admit it. And high time too. And then they walk backward. Backward? You have seen our managers walk backward. Why, I thought that only crabs walked backward. Don't laugh, Gabrielle. Don't laugh. I'm not laughing, protested Gabrielle, looking as solemn as a judge. Perhaps you can tell me this, Gabrielle, as you're an intimate friend of the management. When I went up to Monsieur Richard, Outside the foyer, during the garden interval, with my hand out before me, why did Monsieur Moncharmin hurriedly whisper to me, Go away, go away, whatever you do, don't touch Monsieur le Directeur? Am I supposed to have an infectious disease? It's incredible. And, a little later, when Monsieur de la Bordière went up to Monsieur Richard, didn't you see, Monsieur Charmin fling himself between them and hear him exclaim, Monsieur l'Ambassadeur, I entreat you not to touch Monsieur le Directeur. It's terrible. And what? Was Richard doing meanwhile? What was he doing? Why, you saw him. He turned about, bowed in front of him, though there was nobody in front of him, and withdrew backwards. Backwards? And Moncharmin, behind Richard, also turned about, that is, he described a semicircle behind Richard and also walked backward. And they went like that to the staircase leading to the manager's office. Backward, backward, backward. Well, if they are not mad, will you explain what it means? Perhaps they were practicing a figure in the ballet. Suggested Gabrielle, without much conviction in his voice. The secretary was furious at this wretched joke, made at such a dramatic moment. He knit his brows and contracted his lips. Then he put his mouth to Gabrielle's ear. Don't be so sly, Gabrielle. There are things going on for which you and Mercia are partly responsible. What do you mean? asked Gabriel. Christine Day is not the only one who suddenly disappeared tonight. Oh, nonsense. There's no nonsense about it. Perhaps you can tell me why. When Mother Giri came down to the foyer just now, Mercier took her by the hand and hurried her away with him. Really? said Gabrielle. I never saw it. You did see it, Gabrielle, for you went with Mercier and Mother Giri to Mercier's office. Since then, you and Mercier have been seen but no one has seen Mother Geary. Do you think we've eaten her? No, but you've locked her up in the office, and one passing the office can hear her yelling, Oh, the scoundrels, the scoundrels. At this point of the singular conversation, Mercia arrived all out of breath. There, he said, in a gloomy voice. It's worse than ever, I shouted. It's a serious matter. Open the door. It's I, Mercia. I heard footsteps. The door opened and Moncharmin appeared. He was very pale. He said, What do you want? I answered, Someone has run away with Christine Day. What do you think he said? And a good job too. And he shut the door after putting this in my hand. Mercia opened his hand. Remy and Gabrielle looked. The safety pin, cried Remy. Strange, strange muttered Gabrielle, who could not help shivering. Suddenly, a voice made them all three turn around. I beg your pardon, gentlemen. Could you tell me where Christine Day is? In spite of the seriousness of the circumstances, the absurdity of the question would have made them roar with laughter if they had not caught sight of the face so sorrow-stricken that they were at once seized with pity. It was the Vicomte Raoul de Chagny. Chapter 15 Christine, Christine Raoul's First Thought After Christine Day's fantastic disappearance was to accuse Eric. He no longer doubted the almost supernatural powers of the Angel of Music in this domain of the opera in which he had set up his empire. And Raoul rushed on the stage in a mad fit of love and despair Christine, Christine, he moaned, calling to her as if he felt that she must be calling to him from the depths of that dark pit to which the monster had carried her. Christine, Christine. And he seemed to hear the girl's screams through the frail boards that separated him from her. He bent forward, he listened, he wandered over the stage like a madman. Ah, to descend, to descend into that pit of darkness, every entrance to which was closed to him. For the stairs that led below the stage were forbidden to one and all that night. Christine. Christine. People pushed him aside, laughing. They made fun of him. They thought the poor lover's brain was gone. By what mad road, through what passages of mystery and darkness known to him alone had Eric dragged that pure-souled child to the awful haunt with the Louis-Philippe Room, opening out on the lake. Christine, Christine, why don't you answer? Are you alive? Hideous thoughts flashed through Raoul's congested brain. Of course, Eric must have discovered their secret. Must have known that Christine had played him false. What a vengeance would be his. And Raoul thought again of the yellow stars that had come, the night before, and roamed over his balcony. Why had he not put them out for good? There were some men's eyes that dilated in the darkness and shone like stars or like cats' eyes. Certainly albinos, who seemed to have rabbit eyes by day had cat's eyes at night, everybody knew that, yes, yes, he had undoubtedly fired at Eric, why had he not killed him, the monster had fled up the gutter spout like a cat or a convict who, everybody knew that also, would scale the very skies with the help of a gutter spout, No doubt Eric was at that time contemplating some decisive step against Raoul, but he had wounded and had escaped to turn against poor Christine instead. Such were the cruel thoughts that had entered Raoul's mind as he ran to the singer's dressing room. Christine, Christine. Bitter tears scorched the boy's eyelids as he saw, scattered over the furniture, the clothes which his beautiful bride was to have worn at the hour of their flight. Oh, why had she refused to leave earlier? Why had she toyed with the threatening catastrophe? Why toy with the monster's heart? Why? in a final access of pity, had she insisted on flinging, as a last sock to that demon's soul, her divine song. In heaven blessed, my spirit longs with thee to rest. Raoul, his throat filled with sobs, oaths and insults, fumbled awkwardly at the great mirror that had opened one night, before his eyes, to let Christine pass to the murky dwelling below. He pushed, pressed, groped about, but the glass apparently obeyed no one but Eric. Perhaps actions were not enough with a glass of this kind. Perhaps he was expected to utter certain words. When he was a little boy, he had heard that there were things that obeyed the spoken word. Suddenly, Raoul remembered something about a gate opening into the Rue Scribe, an underground passage running straight to the Rue Scribe from the lake. Yes, Christine had told him about that, and when he found that the key was no longer in the box, he nevertheless ran to the rue scribe. Outside, in the street, he passed his trembling hands over the huge stones, felt for outlets, met with iron bars. Were those they? Or these? Or could it? Be that air hole. He plunged his useless eyes through the bars. How dark it was in there. He listened. All was silent. He went round the building and came to big bars, immense gates. It was the entrance to the corps de l'administration. Raoul rushed into the doorkeeper's lodge. I beg your pardon, madame, could you tell me where to find a gate or door made of bars, iron bars, opening into the rue scribe and leading to the lake? You know the lake, I mean. Yes, the underground lake, under the opera. Yes, sir, I know there is a lake under the opera. But I don't know which door leads to it. I have never been there. And the Rue Scribe, Madame. The Rue Scribe. Have you ever been to the Rue Scribe? The woman laughed. Screamed with laughter. Raoul darted away. Roaring with anger. Ran upstairs. Four stairs at a time. Downstairs rushed through the whole of the business side of the opera house, found himself once more in the light of the stage. He stopped, with his heart thumping in his chest. Suppose Christine Day had been found, he saw a group of men and asked. I beg your pardon, gentlemen, could you tell me where Christine Day is? and somebody laughed. At the moment the stage buzzed with a new sound, and amid a crowd of men in evening dress, all talked and gesticulating together, appeared a man who seemed very calm, and displayed a pleasant face, all pink and chubby-cheeked, crowned with curly hair, and lit up, by a pair of wonderfully serene blue eyes. Mercier, the acting manager, called the vicomte de Chagny's attention to him, and said, This is the gentleman to whom you should put your question, monsieur. Let me introduce Freud, the commissary of police. Ah, Monsieur le vicomte de Chagny, delighted to meet you, monsieur, said the commissary. Would you mind coming with me? And now, where are the managers? Where are the managers? Mercier did not answer, and Remy, the secretary, volunteered the information that the managers were locked. In their office, and that they knew nothing as yet of what had happened. You don't mean to say so. Let us go up to the office. And Monsieur Mifroid, followed by an ever increasing crowd, turned towards the business side of the building. Mercier took advantage of the confusion to slip a key. "'into Gabrielle's hand. "'This is all going very badly,' he whispered. "'You had better let Mother Geary out.' "'And Gabrielle moved away. "'They soon came to the manager's door. "'Mercia stormed in vain. "'The door remained closed. "'Open in the name of the law.' Commanded Monsieur Mifroid in a loud and rather anxious voice. At last the door was opened. All rushed into the office on the commissary's heels. Raoul was the last to enter. As he was about to follow the rest into the room, a hand was laid on his shoulder, and he heard these words. Spoken in his ear. Eric's secrets concern no one but himself. He turned around with a stifled exclamation. The hand that was laid on his shoulder was now placed on the lips of a person with ebony skin, with eyes of jade, and with an astrakhan cap on his head the persian the stranger kept up the gesture that recommended discretion and then at the moment when the astonished viscount was about to ask the reason of his mysterious intervention bowed and disappeared